0: Father, we are so thankful. God, when we remember what you've done for us, we can look and we say, God, you are so good. And Father, this morning we come with thankful hearts just as we sit before you and we thank you for your presence. And we thank you for joining us here. And we just ask, God, that you would just speak to our hearts. God, as we hear your message, as we hear the words that are spoken this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would change things in us, God, that need to be tweaked or need to be changed. God, we just surrender this morning. We say, have your way in us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You got some New Year's resolutions you're working on? Making them? A lot of people believe in the New Year's resolutions. You're going to see lots of... Articles on it. People talk about it. The top five New Year's resolutions they say number one is exercise, and that's probably true. Most people say in 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 2019 they're going to exercise more. The second one is lose weight. Sure enough, get organized. A lot of people say, "Man, I need to get organized." Probably when you drive home today, you look at your garage and you go, "Yep, I need to get organized." Some say this year. I'm going to live life to the fullest. I'm going to get on with it. I'm going to do the things that I planned to do but didn't do this last year. I'm going, to, I'm going to try not to have any regrets this next year about how I spent my time. So a lot of people say they're going to live life to the fullest or live life differently with a little more energy perhaps. Then the fifth one is spend less, save more. And you look at your banking account perhaps at this time of year and you go, boy, whew! I need to spend less and save more uh, in 2019. So, New Year's resolutions. So I was thinking this week, you know, Lord, uh, where would you lead us to? What would guide us to consider a better New Year's resolution, a higher New Year's resolution than we find with the popular New New Year's resolutions? Nothing wrong with exercise, but there's something higher. Nothing wrong with losing weight, but there's something higher. Surely getting organized would help everyone around your house and maybe your business, your work, but there's something better. Living life to the fullest sounds good and, and get that bucket list out and go for it. And that sounds really special, but there really is something higher than even living life to the fullest. And and certainly being a good steward of your funds, spending less, saving more is a great thing. All these are really good things, but there really is something higher. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says to us, pursue love in the English Standard Version. And in the New Living Translation to capture that thought, it says, let love be your highest goal. So there's no question about that. We see in the Old Testament, we are to love God and love others. No question about that. In the New Testament, with Jesus, we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And we are to love our neighbor as ourself. So, it is God's will. It is in His plan. It's what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us that... Love being our highest goal should be at the top of any New Year's resolution list that you would make. And so if it's for you, it is exercise, it is lose weight, it is getting organized, it is living life with more to the fullest. If it is spending less, saving more, all those different things, then consider putting love as number one. This year, I'm going to love the way Jesus wants me to. This year, I'm going to love the way I sense the Holy Spirit guiding me to love. I'm going to love. So, it's a good subject. It's something that we need to talk about. It's in the Word. Pursue love. Let love be your highest goal. And so, definitely, it is something to consider. Now, perhaps we need to talk about what love is. Mick Jones in 1984 with Foreigner, he asked that question, didn't he? You remember that song? I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Anybody sing like Mick? I want to know what love is. Kind of good, wasn't it? Kind of like Foreigner right there, wasn't it? Pretty good. I saw a Foreigner in Abilene, Texas when I was a young lad, and they, they heard me singing out there with them. They looked at him and says, if we ever lose our singer, he's it. Right there, that boy right there. I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. If if you were to look at the lyrics of that song, in whoever he's talking to, now we automatically think that he's talking to a girl, right? A man is singing, I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me, but it doesn't ever really specify who the you is. So it very well could be that Mick Jones was singing for a foreigner, I want to know what love is, and God, I want you to show me. We don't know for sure, but that's definitely the way we should pose that question. I want to know what love is, and Lord, I want you to show me. And so in his word, we're going to see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Lord shows us what love is. Okay, so if we're going to set a goal to love, then we need to know what love is. We at least need to rekindle what love is. We need to be reminded about what love is. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First of all, in verses 1, 2, and 3, it's not the practical. It's getting our attention, helping us understand the importance of love. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, in an orchestra, a cymbal doesn't get any solos, right? That poor person playing the cymbal, they don't get any time where all they're doing is banging that cymbal because it's just not any good just to sit there and hear the cymbal being banged over and over and over by itself. Now, a cowbell, that's a different story, but that cymbal, bless your hearts, it's a rough gig there. But if we can speak in tongues of men and angels but not have love it's it's wasted it's like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal it says in verse 2 and if i have a prophetic powers if i have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if i have all faith so as to remove mountains But have not love, I am nothing. And so the Bible here tells us that we can be a spiritual giant. But if we don't have love, we don't have anything. You can have knowledge. You can have understanding of the great mysteries. You can have all faith. You can have faith that's strong, that's deep. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. And so you can flip this around a little bit and you can take verses one and two and you can say that love is better than, than speaking in tongues. Love is better than speaking in the tongues of angels. Love is better than faith. Love is better than knowledge. Love is better than understanding all mysteries. Love is better. It's important that we understand how valuable love is, and love needs to be on the top of our New Year resolution list. He said in verse 3, If I give away all I have, and then he said, And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So the event of great sacrifice without love is empty. Without love, now the crazy thing is, we would think, how in the world could anyone deliver up their body to be burned? How can anyone give away all they have without love? It can be done. We can do it to be noticed. We can do it to to uh, lift up people's opinions of us. We can do it out of spite. We can do it for all kinds of reasons. We can do it in a warped way with false humility. We can do it to to gain some kind of leverage with people. And and there's no question about it. People with a God uh, 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 conscience or God mindset sometimes, a savior complex, oftentimes they get off the love trail and they start doing things for themselves to be noticed, to be honored, to be uh, revered in some way. And they can do what we would call great acts of sacrifice. But the word's very clear. You can be religious. You can have all kinds of knowledge about the Bible and about religious things. You can can say all the right things. You can do all the right things. You can appear to be absolutely selfless. But if you're all that without love, the Bible says it's empty. It's of no value. It's of no value. Now, there's two things that's Rolling through my mind as I'm speaking today, one thing is this. I think it's very clear that we don't know what love is. I think it's a learned thing. I think we've got to grow in the ability to love. I think we have to grow in understanding what love is. We don't automatically become great lovers when we're saved. It's a learned trait. We even grow in the ability to love. And no question, it should be your experience that you loved when you were saved, when you placed your faith in Christ, but as the time has gone by, as the months and the years have gone by, your love has grown and it has gotten deeper and it has become more effective and it has become more noticeable. Now, if you haven't grown in love, then you are absolutely resisting and rejecting the Holy Spirit's leadership for you to love. Because I know for a fact, based on what God's word says, that Jesus is at work causing us to love. The Holy Spirit is at work causing us to love. All the things from God the Father that's at work in this world is working to get us to love to deepen in love, to grow in love. The second thing that's running through my mind right now is I think that we would be absolutely blown away if we had information that we could easily decipher, some demographic information about the numbers of people that are around us that really don't have anyone loving them. I think we'd be blown away. I think there are all kinds, all shapes, all sizes of people around us. All skin colors, all religions even, all uh, experiences that man, at the end of the day, they don't believe they're loved. There's children that go to our schools that don't think they're loved and may not be. There's, there's moms in the, in the car line taking their kids to school that don't believe they're loved in their home. They don't believe they're loved by their children. There's men going to work. There's men doing their thing day after day that, man, they don't believe they're loved. They don't believe their, their, their wife loves them, really. They don't believe that their family's involved with them and loves them. They don't really believe that they have any friends that truly love them. There's a lot of people that is in close proximity to us that, that go through day after day without hearing a kind word, without being loved. And so, man, I, I really think that sometimes that we're kind of deceived a little bit. It, we we kind of don't see clearly about this. And so we think, man, you know, these folks that smile, that seem to be have it all together and all those kind of things, surely they're loved They may not be loved. And it's a a strong calling for us. It's a high calling for us. It's an important thing that Jesus' people, just like us, we believe in Him, we trust in Him, we've given our life to Him, that we demonstrate love. Because here's the deal. If we don't demonstrate love, then who's going to? Who's going to really love? Because the world does not know how to, work, to love. Education cannot teach people to love the way we should love. And, and with that agape love that God loves us with, that we are to love others with. And so if we don't do it, I don't know who in the world's going to. Their love is going to have strings attached to it. Their love is going to be performance-based. Their love is going to be in increasing in expectation to receive the love. And you got to do more to be loved. You got to, do, you got to produce more to be loved, to be, uh, you know, to be at least appreciated. And so, love. And so, consider what love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, tells us. Here's what love is love is patient. That word is macrothumia. It means patient with people always. Love is patient with people. Patient with people. Not telling us to be patient with an engine. It's not telling us to be patient with a wrench. It's not telling us to be patient with a computer. You can kick that computer across the room if you want to. Sometimes they need a good kicking. But love is patient. You know that you're loving when you're growing in patience with people. Now, you can look at that word and go, oh my. You can say, Jesus was patient. Jesus is patient. Yes, he was. Yes, he is. He is patient with us. God is patient. Indeed, he is patient. We can also read of this, the Holy Spirit is at work Guiding us to be patient. Absolutely. You can read that into that and you can get a little more application of that. You can also place your name here and say Lee is patient. John is patient. Kyle is patient. Ooh. When you start putting your name there, ouch. That helps us to really Process it, didn't it? Am I really patient? Am I loving? Do I have patience? Do I have more patience today than I had yesterday or the day before or last year? Love is patient. And so if we're going to love, we are going to be patient. We are going to grow in patience. Love is kind. God the Father is kind. Jesus is kind. The Holy Spirit is leading us to be kind. To be kind means that we're considerate, that we're concerned, that we have empathy with other people. Can you place your name there where it says love is patient and kind, that love is kind, can you put your mind there and say, George is kind. Brandon is kind. Brent is kind. Can you place your name there and and there's not a disturbance in your spirit, in your conscience? And that disturbance would be the Holy Spirit saying, you can't really say that. You're not kind. You're not patient. You're not loving then. You see, if we're not patient and we're not kind, then we're not loving. We are patient and kind in love. And then it says, love does not envy or boast. And you can do the same thing with that. God does not boast. God is not envious. We can say there that the Holy Spirit is leading us not to be envious or to boast. Jesus was not envious and he did not boast. Place your name there. George, Henry, Sally, Cindy does not envy or boast. So love doesn't draw people's attention to them. Love doesn't boast about how smart they are. Love doesn't uh, strut around like a rooster talking about how they're smart than everybody else. Because love does not envy or boast. Love does not want what other people have and is not in competition to try to wear them down. Love is not arrogant. We know what arrogant means, don't we? Love doesn't parade itself around that it's better than everybody else and look down on everyone. Love is not rude. Ugh, man, that's a tough one right there. Think about the different ways we can be rude. We can be rude with, with sarcasm. We can be rude with comments. We can be rude with brilliant comments, right? Rude. We can be rude by behavior. We can be rude by uh, stepping in front of someone. We can be rude by saying what we think we have the right to say, not even being concerned by how we say it. Rude. Man, I, I know something about being rude. I find myself rude more times than I want to be. And to be honest with you, when the Holy Spirit's working in my life and, and, and He's bringing love out that He's deposited there, rude has got to be dealt with. And maybe you need to deal with some rudeness. And it very well could be that people around you do not sense your love for them because you're so cotton-picking rude to them. Ornery, perhaps. Rude. Listen to this one. This is what love is. Love does not insist on its own way. Love doesn't say my way or the highway. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. Irritable. Getting up on the wrong side of the bed every day is not love. Because it says love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. It says in verse 6, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. We simply, when love is present, and love is being expressed, and love is growing in us, when someone does something that causes them harm, Setback, we don't rejoice if we're loving. You know, they got what was coming to them. I knew it happened. That old guy is so arrogant. That old gal, she walks around like she's better than everybody else. I knew that something bad was about to happen to him. Now, that may be true. It may be true that you reap what you sow. It may be true that if you give some people enough rope, they'll hang themselves right. Sure enough, that's the way life is. That's one of the principles of life. You reap what you sow, but we are not to rejoice in it. That's not love. That's not love. And probably when that experience has happened, it's only between you and the Holy Spirit that that communicate whether or not you're rejoicing in someone else's wrongdoing. We don't rejoice at wrongdoing. We rejoice, however, with the truth. That's what love does. That's what love is. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. And then in verse 8, it says, love never ends. Love never fails. That's really what that's saying there. Love never fails. So, it's not a gamble. It's not a gamble to love. It's not something that we do to see what the results are going to be it should be our highest goal because it says that love never fails. Love never ends. Love is always the right thing to do. Always. Always love is the right thing to do. Now, there are different aspects of love. Sometimes love is speaking truth to someone. Sometimes love is bearing with someone. Sometimes love is uh, believing uh, uh, with someone. Sometimes love is hope. Right? Right? That's what the Scripture says. But we have this wonderful promise here that love is not like the stock market, that you can't count on it. You can count on love. Love never fails. And love is not dependent upon circumstances. Love is not dependent upon what someone else will or will not do. The Bible tells us that as far as it depends on us, be at peace with everyone. We'll love people. And, and they may not love us back, but that doesn't mean failure because we have glorified God by loving people. And that's what we are called to do. As for prophecies in verse 8, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Listen to what Paul says here in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So what Paul is saying here is this, grow up. That's what he's saying. Grow up in love. And he is equating not loving with being childish. And so when we're not loving, when we're not patient, when we're not kind, when we are envious or we are boasting, when we are arrogant, when we are rude, when we are insisting our own way, when we are irritable or resentful, when when we are rejoicing at someone else's problems, when we're not of the truth, We're childish. We're being childish. That's what Paul is saying here. So that's a good way of looking at This year, in 2019, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to love. I'm going to put aside childish things. Childish things. Childish attitudes. I'm going to put aside. Childish behaviors. I'm going to put aside. Childish, childish desires I'm going to put aside. And I'm going to mature and grow up in love. He says, for now, in verse 12, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So Paul is saying here, you know, there's a struggle to see clearly. There's a struggle to know. There's a struggle to understand. We just know part. We know in part. But that doesn't take away the responsibility we have because he says in verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide. Faith, hope, and love abide these three but the greatest of these is love so he's saying in that struggle in faith in that struggle to know in that struggle by only seeing partially here in in that struggle for the i see look in the mirror and i see dimly the answer to our response to that struggle that we have here in this world in our flesh between the flesh and the spirit is to love, into love. So this is how this is applied. I may not know what to do about this situation, but I do know I am to love these people in this situation. I don't know how to handle the family conflict that we have each year during the holidays, but I know that I am to love the people that are involved in the conflict with me. I don't know how I'm to deal with that difficult person at work, that difficult person in the neighborhood, that difficult person at the business office. I don't know how in the world I'm going to handle them, but I do know that I'm going to handle them with love. I don't know how we're going to accomplish all the things that God has laid before us, but I do know that my way of moving forward my attitude my spirit of moving forward to do what we believe God's called us to do I'm going to love so for me the calling for me is preach with love teach with love disciple with love lead with love I'm the love I'm the love in my home I'm the love of the church I'm the love wherever I go now, the different things that I'm going to be involved with, they're going to change. There's, there's sometimes there's complex issues. There's a lot of no-win situations that pastors deal with from time to time. With families, with, with crisis between people in the church and those different things, they just go, holy cow, what in the world do we do? Well, we may not know how to fix anything. We we may not really know how to, in a practical way, make anything better, but we do know that our assignment is the way we will go about doing it and trying to fix it and trying to help is we are going to move forward with love. And so we don't really ever have any conflict with that. It's a very simple thing. The greatest of faith, hope, and love is love. It's love. So you may not know what to do. You may not really know what to pray. The Holy Spirit will help you as you begin, however. You may not know what step you're going to take. You may not know what's the next road you take. But you do know that whichever road you take, you're going to take that road with love. With love. So, consider this. New Year's Resolution love is going to be my highest goal we know for sure that that is a desire that the lord has for us i wonder what the lord's going to do this year with you and me i wonder what the lord's going to do i wonder what's going to happen this new year you know you never really know do you when you look back and you think about all the things that are taking place in the year, man, you might look back and go, I'm so thankful I didn't start out knowing all that was going to happen. I might have put my, dug a hole and put my, my head down in there. The Lord is gracious to us with that. We don't know. But as we move forward, we move forward, yes, with faith. Yes, with hope. We move forward with hope. But most importantly, we move forward in the new year with love. Now, what the Holy Spirit tell you about these different things? Are you patient? Are you kind? Do you envy? Do you boast? Is your relationship with people based on working to that they think that you're better than them? Are you arrogant? Are you rude? Are you a jerk? Well, you say, no, no, jerk's not in there. Y- yeah, it is. Arrogant and rude is jerk, right? <laughs> do you insist on your own way all the time? Sometimes your way's best, right? You get that. But do you insist on the right way all the time? And and when you know for sure that your way of doing something is is right, are you a jerk about it? Are you a jerk? Use the word that you know for jerk. Replace that with something that fits your your world do you insist on your own way are you easily irritated easily irritated you know people don't feel any love from you because you're really difficult to be around you're irritable is that you is that do you need to confess that and repent of that are you resentful do you rejoice at other people's wrongdoing? Ah, couldn't wait for them to, I couldn't wait for them to fall. That's a good thing. Respond to what the Lord asks you to do. Let the Lord lead you this year. Walk away from walking by how you think things should be and walking according to your flesh and your desires and walk according to His Spirit. See what the Lord does with you. See what the Lord does with us. But I know for sure, I may not know everything, don't know much, but I know for sure one thing, the Lord wants you and me to love. And I know that He wants our church to be known for loving. Not having all the answers, not being right about everything, but He wants us to be known as a people that truly, truly love. Let love fly, would you? Let love fly. Help us, Lord, to love more than we did this time last year. Help us to grow. Help us to mature. Help us to grow up and and just lay aside childish things that are unloving. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.